Welcome to News Kids. I'm Rose. And I'm Zara. And together we're presenting this weekly podcast about what's going on in our world today. Each week we cover top stories across world news, politics, science, technology, entertainment and arts. This week we're talking about the Conservative Party leadership, the Atlantic Ocean banning plastic bags. What's wrong with our parents spending too much time on their phones? Why airlines lose luggage? Green Fashion and Father's Day. Hi, it's Rose here. The contest for the leadership of the Conservative Party in the UK is nearly over. The final two candidates now chosen. Since Theresa May, the UK Prime Minister and leader of the ruling Conservative Party, announced her plans to resign, there has been a long process to decide the new Conservative Party leader, who will then become the new Prime Minister. Being Prime Minister sounds like a fantastic job. I would love to be Prime Minister one day. But it does sound like a lot of work. Ten candidates started off in the race to be leader and there are different stages of voting when the members of parliament in the Conservative Party all vote on those in the running and only those with the most votes get to go through to the next round. Mark Harper, Andrea Leadsom and Esther McVeigh were eliminated in the first round after failing to get the necessary 17 votes. Matt Hancock, who won 20 votes, later withdrew for the contest, saying he would support Boris Johnson instead. Dominic Raab was eliminated in round two after falling three votes short of the 33 he needed to get through. International Development Secretary Rory Stewart was knocked out of the contest on Wednesday evening after he secured the backing of just 27 Tory MPs. On Thursday, four candidates were still in the running. Boris Johnson, Michael Gove, Jeremy Hunt and Sajid Javid. The remaining field of four candidates were reduced down to three in a secret vote. And then there was a further vote to select the final two, Boris Johnson and Jeremy Hunt. Boris Johnson has won the most votes in all three ballots of MPs so far. One of the two will be elected leader by the Conservative Party members over the next few weeks, with the results expected to be announced in mid-July. As the contest goes on, candidates are continuing to talk about their beliefs and policies and the things they would do if they were to be chosen for Prime Minister. A lot of what they are talking about is to do with Brexit, as members of Parliament want to know how a new Prime Minister will approach Brexit and the issue of whether Britain should leave the EU without a deal. I'm looking forward to finding out who will be our new Prime Minister. Hello, this is Zara. This week, a huge international research programme called the iAtlantic Project has been launched. The aim of the project is to assess the health of the Atlantic Ocean, which is the Earth's second largest ocean, and help governments create policies to better protect it. The 10 million euro project is being funded by the EU and is being run by Edinburgh University. It will involve researchers from 33 institutions across Europe, Argentina, Brazil, South Africa, Canada and the US. Scientists will use lots of high-tech devices like robots and marines to investigate the 
Ocean from the Arctic to the South America and assess the effects of climate change on plants and animals. Scientists will spend four years creating a digital map of the ocean's ecosystems and will gather huge quantities of data during 32 research expeditions. The project will provide key insights into the effects that climate change is having on the Atlantic and will help scientists to identify the main things that lead to ecosystem change and decide which areas of the ocean are most at risk. Professor Roberts of Edinburgh University said that the Atlantic, like a lot of oceans in the world, is being deoxygenated because of climate change. The team carrying out the project will be looking at how the physics of the ocean is changing and try and understand how ecosystems are changing and where there will be a real problem in the future. If the team can identify those areas, then they can work with the government to back off the pressure. Hello, this is Zara. This week, the Kingdom of Bahrain announced that it will start phasing out the use of plastic products from the 21st of July this year when a ministerial order about the regulations for plastic products will come into effect. The first phase will be focusing on single-use plastic bags and then banning the import of non-biodegradable plastic bags. Later phases will result in a permanent ban on the use of plastic bags at certain malls and supermarkets. Bahrain has joined a number of countries banning the import of plastic waste following the United Nations call to reduce ocean pollution and climate change. Here's a saber talking about why parents are spending too much time on their phones. Fascinating, enjoyable and addictive. These are three words to describe our mobile phones. We always hear about teenagers spending too much time on their phones. But it seems our parents are now just as guilty of being absorbed in their phones, tablets or even laptops whilst at home or when out with their family. Consequently, this is having a detrimental effect on family life. Rachel Dickinson, president of the Association of Directors of Children's Services, said that as a result of parents spending too much time on their smartphones, it was making families less resilient and not able to cope when difficulties arise. As teenagers face increasing levels of social media, peer pressures and general challenges of growing up, Miss Dickinson said that it was very important that children and teenagers talk about that things were troubling them and going for a walk each weekend with their parents could be enough to give them that opportunity. Another important communication time is family meal times. These family meal times are losing the traditional place as a regular opportunity for parents to talk with their children. One survey last year found that 57% of families don't eat together regularly and of those that did, 34% eat on the sofa in front of the television. Research in Canada has found that children who eat regular meals with their families enjoy better long-term mental and physical health. Miss Dickinson suggests that each parent needs to think about how they connect with their children. It will be different for every parent. They should think about how their family life is and how much contact they are able to have with their children so they can enjoy one another and understand what is going on in their lives and support them appropriately. The digital world we live in today is very different to the world our parents and their parents before them lived in. So parents, 
Let's make a conscious effort to talk face to face without the phone in between. It might be once a day or even once a week. After all, it's not about quantity of time, but the quality. This is Nasaba reporting for News Kids. Do you think grown-ups spend too much time on their phones, Rose? I think grown-ups spend too much time on their phones because they have to work. And my mum, for example, she works all the time on her emails and you can get square eyes from things like laptops and phones. I wish people didn't have to work in an office or at home so much so they can spend more time with their family. What do you think, Zara? Do you think your parents spend lots of time on their phones and laptops and mobiles and tablets? Well, I think my dad spends quite a lot of time on his iPad checking emails and that time I always feel very sad because there could be something really important that I need to tell him and he's just like, I'm looking at my emails. I'd much prefer if my dad stayed in his office and actually finished his work instead of going back home to see my sister and I and he's just checking his emails because then if when he has finally finished his work he can come home, relax and finally spend some time with me. I'd rather my dad come home early but just have a tiny bit of work not like hundreds and heaps of works and papers to finish. Just like finish most of his work in the office and then take tiny tiny bits of work out that he can do in like a few minutes. Do you think it's important for families to eat meals together? I think it is quite important that families eat together because if it's just your mum, your sister and yourself eating together and there's one problem that your mum can't solve or your sister and you really need a dad but he's out of work, you'll never be able to solve that problem. What's your favourite thing to do as a family, Rose? Well, my favourite thing to do with my family is have a movie night or maybe go on a bike ride together. What about you, Zara? Well, we'd either go bike riding, go to restaurants, have movie night. I agree, Zara. I like spending time with my family doing things like that. Hello, this is Zara. This month, CETA, an international IT provider to the airline industry that monitors baggage handling, said that the total number of mishandled bags has fallen from 46.9 million in 2007 to 24.8 million in 2018. And during that period of time, the number of air passengers has nearly doubled. This is because of investments in tracking technology. Lots of airlines now use a tiny radio frequency identification tag in the barcoded label that goes around your bag handle. This means that each bag can be scanned automatically by machines as they make their way through the airport system. However, 25 million bags is still a very large number of bags to be misdirected or lost every year at a time where the air travel industry employs the very latest technologies in its aeroplanes and air traffic control systems. CETA said 
that nearly half of all bags go missing because of problems with flight transfers. So if you are not getting a direct flight to your destination and your flight is delayed, then your bag just won't make it to your flight on time, even if you do. A lot of bags also apparently go missing because passengers pick up the wrong bag at the luggage carousel. Europe has the worst baggage handling performance, according to CETA, compared to Asia and North America. America. So, what happens to baggage that is lost or so stolen rather than just misdirected? Well, any lost luggage is kept in airport lost luggage departments before being destroyed or sent to an auction house to be sold. Last year, the International Air Transport Association brought in a new regulation called Resolution 753 to try and make airports take better care of passenger luggage. Bags now have to be checked as present at certain points along the journey, for example, when they are loaded onto the plane and when they enter the transfer system at airports. IATA has also voted to support the introduction of RFID tags across the industry. Delta Airlines is experimenting with machine learning to spot lost luggage patterns and identify which destinations or bag types are more problematic than others. It's really important for the airline industry and us that the number of missing bags is reduced. Trying to locate mislaid bags and then transporting them to upset passengers takes time and money for airlines. I still don't get it, Zara. Why do airlines lose so many suitcases? Well, because technology is complicated and sometimes there can be errors which can cause loss of suitcases. This normally happens on connecting flight because sometimes when you're late, you run so fast to the aeroplane and get on it, but your luggage doesn't go as fast as you do, so sometimes you can lose those luggages. How would you feel if an airline lost your suitcases when you were going on holiday? I would feel very disappointed. I'd be angry, I'd be cross, I'd be sad, I'd be disappointed. You'd be so angry because imagine you go to Disneyland, you're like, woohoo, 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 and then you realise you can't find your suitcase in your, and then your day just went so sad. Here's James talking about Father's Day. Father's Day took place in the United Kingdom and about 90 other countries on Sunday 19th of June. This was a day for people to celebrate fathers and father figures like carers or grandfathers. But where does this tradition come from? The answer is not 100% certain. A day for the celebration of fatherhood is known to date back to at least 1508 in Catholic Europe. Known as St. Joseph's Day, March 19th was the original Father's Day date and it still is celebrated on that date in some countries, including Spain. In the 20th century, Father's Day was taken to the Americas by the Spanish and Portuguese when they colonised Latin America. Some Latin American countries still observe the March 19th date. But Father's Day in the style that is celebrated in the UK is thought to have come about thanks to a woman in America called Sonora Louisa Smart. She was brought up by her father after her mother died giving birth to her sixth child. 
Then, in 1909, Sonora heard a speech in church about Mother's Day and thought Dad should also be celebrated. The local clergymen accepted this idea and it is believed that 19th of June 1910 was the first unofficial Father's Day. Some years later, in 1966, US President Lyndon B. Johnson decided the third Sunday in June should be Father's Day. Six years later, President Richard Nixon signed it into law. In Germany, the days is called Manitag, Men's Day, and instead of spending time with their children, fathers often go off together on hiking trips into the woods with a wagon of beer, meat and wine. In the United Arab Emirates, Father's Day is celebrated on June 21st, generally coinciding with Midsummer's Day. Papua, New Guinea, New Zealand, Australia and Fiji instead hold Father's Day in September, whilst Norway and Denmark celebrate the event in November. Here's Isabella talking about green fashion. This week, people who care about the environment turn their attention to fashion industry. Members of Parliament in the UK have told the government that they must do more to reduce the huge number of unwanted old clothes that get thrown away every year. They are also cross that people who make our clothes often have to work in bad conditions and sometimes they are not paid a fair amount of money for their work. Why are unwanted clothes a problem? Some people recycle their old clothes so the fabric can be used for other things. This is good because it helps to reduce waste and look after our planet. But too often, instead of being recycled, old clothes are dumped in big holes in the ground called landfill. This is bad for the environment as much as 300,000 tonnes of clothes are either burnt or dumped in landfill every year. What else needs to change? According to the Members of Parliament, clothing companies are being allowed to pollute the environment because they produce too much waste when the clothes are being made. This waste includes gases that are harmful in the air and also clothing factories are using too much water which is very precious. So what needs to happen? The MPs have given the government a list of 18 things they need to do to make the fashion industry cleaner. These recommendations include charging clothing companies 1p for every item they make, banning companies from dumping clothes in the ground instead of reusing or recycling them, giving the companies targets for producing less waste from their factories. So what can we do to help? We can buy more clothes from charity shops and second-hand shops instead of buying new clothes all the time. We can also choose clothes made from natural materials like cotton instead of clothes with nylon and polyester, which contain tiny plastic fibres. These fibres end up in our oceans after the clothes are all washed. We can also mend our clothes when they get holes in and keep them for longer instead of throwing them away when we are bored with them. That's all for this week. I 
really hope you enjoyed our show. Let me know what you think about our news stories. Goodbye from the news kids.